Thank you, Cody, for leading us in that. I didn't ask him to lead that one specifically, but that fits perfectly with what we're going to be talking about this morning. I hope you have your Bibles with you today. We'll be in 1 John chapter 4. Go ahead and open up to 1 John chapter 4. We'll be in chapters 3 and 4 today for our lesson as we are focused on growing in love. Our annual theme this year has been growing in Christ. That's been something we've been talking about pretty constantly this year. Uh, It's been part of our Bible classes and part of several of our sermons. Back in the spring, you'll remember we did a series on growing in faith so that we could grow and look and trust in our God the way that we should. And in the fall, we're going to be growing in hope, faith, hope, and love, these three things that we mentioned from 1 Corinthians 13, as well as many other places that pair these three together. And so right now and next week, we're going to be focusing on growing in love. And so we're going to grow in love today as we look at how we grow uh, together and to love one another. Um, God has shown us how important love is since the very beginning. He has always put an emphasis on love. And even when Jesus is asked what the two greatest commandments are, they are centered on love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. We're going to focus in on that second one today and see what John has to say about that in 1 John. God clearly shows us that we're supposed to live in love towards others. You know, that's not our world today, is it? We look around and we see division, we see discord, we see mistrust, anger, sometimes even hatred. The lack of love has infiltrated our governments, our workplaces, our schools, our churches, and even our families. That this is a problem our world focuses on and struggles with today. So we're expected to be different from the world. We're distinct. If we're people of God that look like Jesus Christ. We've got to have a different path with how we view love than how the world often struggles with love. And so today, we need to find out how to do that. So 1 John chapter 4 is going to be the place we start to look at that. And John is the apostle who writes the most about love. So he's the right person to go to for us to learn about this. He's got a lot to teach us. So let's see how we can love one another. Start reading with me in 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 7. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. And this, the love of God, was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins." Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. Our first problem that we run into with love is how do we define love? And so our first thing that we need to see is that we, le- we learn love from God. Our world has kind of mixed up ideas about what love is. I mean, many people think love is a feeling. It simply is a feeling that you have, and that's as far as it goes. So when we say we love someone, that can mean something in one moment and mean nothing in the next. It's not, fa- it's not lasting. It is something that fades. It's something that expires, can even disappear entirely. Love is not something that you can hold on to and trust if it's not God's love. If that's what love is, then loving each other is not such a hard command, is it? 
if loving each other is just based on a feeling that I have when I'm feeling good, then, man, anybody can do that. I can love anyone for five minutes, but for a lifetime, it starts to get a little harder, doesn't it? When we have this standard of loving like God does, it changes it. I mean, after all, if love is temporary, it fades, and it's only active when we feel like we have it in us. As soon as we feel weak, we don't need to have love in us anymore. The main problem with this is thinking love is defined, defined by self, that love is based on me and how I can give love. If there's no external standard of love that pushes us, love is only able to reach as far as our limitations. As soon as our weakness starts, that's where love would stop. We don't need much convincing to see that this is true in our world today. I mean, marriages fail because of this thinking. As long as the marriage meets my needs, my love is strong. But as soon as I feel like my needs aren't met, love isn't there anymore. Friendships are self-serving because of this. I know what I want from a friendship, and if they listen to my conversation topics and do my hobbies and meet my needs, I think I can still love them. But as soon as they have their needs, it starts to get a little harder. Churches are self-serving because of this. That group of Christians is there to serve me, encourage me, teach me. But as soon as they have something that needs serving, some sort of difficulty that I have to help with, it gets a little harder. And so we have to realize this love is not from us. It is something that we have to learn from somewhere else. We need to start by realizing that our world's definition of love is flawed. So how should we define love? Well, John tells us here, love is from God, and love is God. God is love. He shows us what perfect love is. He shows us the ideal that we should be pointing towards, that we should be focused on and implementing into our love and relationship with others. John doesn't just say that God created love or love is from God, but he says God is love. I'm not sure there is any higher praise than that. Because love is, I think, widely agreed to be one of, of, if not the greatest quality we can possibly possess as people. And if God is defined as love, He is synonymous with love, there's nothing better that He could be. He is the great ideal of what God is. In fact, this is how God has introduced Himself in the Bible. When Moses asked to see God's glory in Exodus chapter 34, here's what God said. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands. And it goes on. He talks about forgiving the iniquity of transgression and sin, who will by no means clear the guilty. He will have justice on those who are wicked. God gives this description of himself over and over and over throughout the Old Testament. He wants us to see he is a God of love. That's something that we have to know about who God is. He's not just God. He is the God of love. He is the God of mercy. He is the God of justice. Every part of him is showing loving kindness for his people. He wants us to be redeemed And the entirety of Scripture is showing us His love. That's what we're confronted with when we open our Bibles. God's love is lasting, even eternal. It never fades. It never expires. It never is taken back. It is always something trustworthy 
So if we're trying to define what our love should look like, God's standard is right there for us, telling us, this is what you're going for. That's sobering, because that is something beyond what any of us might be able to reach. There is a chasm between the most we've loved someone and what God has loved us. But let's continue as we see what God's love has done for us and what God has shown us. Because God's love is unconditional. Even if the people He directs His love towards are sinners, He still loves And he shows this most perfectly with his son. Look at verses 9 and 10. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but he has loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. God sent Jesus to live among us. This is the first uh, way with the New Testament, this is the way of showing us that Jesus is love. Sending Jesus is an expression of love. He was sent from the perfection of heaven to live on earth. And Jesus didn't come living in power and honor, living a life of ease. He was born in squalor. He was born among the barn animals, where the stank of manure and filth. He was raised on the run, as Joseph and Mary had to run from King Herod, as they tried to put the baby boys to death to try and kill him. He grew up in a town that was looked down upon. Can anything good come from Nazareth? He lived his adult life in poverty. He had nowhere to lay his head at night. He spent time with the outcast and the sinner. He lived his life in rejection. The Jewish religious crowd hated him. Crowds that followed him might only follow for a while. While there was a sign to see or food to be had, something easy to take in, but as soon as it got hard, crowds would scatter. And by the end of his life, he was abandoned even by those closest to him. The 12 that were with him were not with him when he died. Why would he leave heaven to come and live a life like this? Because he loved us. But even more than God loving us enough to send Jesus to live among us, he sent him to die for us. So we see Jesus didn't just die in honor. He didn't just come and die in old age or in some glorious way that we might look up to and say, wow, that's a God, that's a death deserving of the most glorious person ever. He died in shame and pain and the most shameful death there was, reserved for the worst criminals when he died on the cross. Why would God send Jesus from the perfection of heaven to die a death like that? It's because he loves us. The love of God is most perfectly displayed for us through His Son. That's what we need to see, that the cross is calling us and how we love each other. So we have a great definition in front of us. We see a God who puts our needs above all else. He could have easily said, I want Jesus to stay here with me. I want Him to be glorified. I want Him to be praised. I don't want Him to suffer. But God saw our need for our sins to be removed. He saw our need to have death taken away and eternal life granted to us through His grace and His power. And He said, go. That's the love of God in front of us. A sacrificial, unconditional love that offers to people who are unworthy. We've got a great definition of love in front of us. We see a God who is willing to sacrifice, who is willing to go through pain, who cared for unlovable people. 
Are you seeing how different this definition of love is from what is so commonly practiced in our world today? I'll love you as long as I get enough sleep the night before, <laughs> as long as I'm hungry or I'm filled, as long as I've got enough money in my bank account. These things hold us back from what love should be. Jesus shows us exactly what love is. There's so much more to say about the love of God. That is a speed of light flyby fly by for us this morning, to see the love of God just to get the definition in front of us so that we know what standard we're looking at when we love one another. So let's continue on to see what John says about loving one another because that's where he goes next in verses 11 and 12. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So there are two things that we see here. We should love each other because of the love of God. John gives us the why. Why should you love one another? Because God's love calls you to. God's love is so great there is no other response fitting to the love of God than for us to express love to those who are around us. And then second, there is a great reward because God will abide in you if you show love to others. There is a way to invite a relationship with God closer to you if you show love to others. John has given us every reason we might ever want to show love to one another. So let's see how we should love one another. Turn back to chapter 3. We'll be in verses 16 through 18. And this is how we show love to one another. I'm going to read these verses. We're going to go through them in reverse. So our first thing we'll talk about is verse 18. Then we'll go back to 17, then 16. So just so you know, I know I'm going out of order. Okay, let's start in verse 16. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed. And in truth. So we need to put love in action. That's where we're starting with these verses here. It, it needs to change how we live in love. So verse 18 starts by telling us, or finishes by telling us, if you'd rather, that loving one another is not simply words. I mean, saying that you love someone is meaningful. I mean, those words have power. They have a weight in the conversation, especially when it's early in a relationship and you're coming to know someone and you tell them that you love them. That is a powerful moment. But what if we don't do anything after that? What if you just say, I love you, and then you're out the door never to see them again, and you purposefully don't do anything with them? You don't show them that you love them. I mean, those words, that weight, that power diminishes, doesn't it? I mean, we don't have to be convinced of that. If someone told you they loved you and they never spent time with you, they never did anything for you, they never showed you that they loved you beyond that first statement, we would doubt it. We would struggle with it. But how does God show us this? I mean, God tells us that he loves us. He, he has told us in many ways through many different prophets and even directly at times that he loves us. But even more than telling us... <clears throat> God shows us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever may believe in him may not perish, but have eternal life. And God has shown us what love is. He walks the walk behind his proclamation of love. So verse 18 tells us, do not love with words or speech, but with actions or truth and truth. So to be clear, this is not saying, don't say I love you. 
This is saying, don't just say, I love you. Say, I love you and back it up with everything in you. Have it be true from the most genuine parts of yourself that when you love a brother or sister in Christ, when you love another person, that it is backed up by everything that you have. That's the love that God wants us to have for each other. We have to love with our entire effort, not just with speaking, but with truly giving of ourselves. When we say we love someone without showing them we love them, it's not love. We're fooling ourselves. Remember our definition. We're not, if we're not doing what we're saying we're doing, we're falling short of what God has done, and it's not real love. So, showing incomplete love is falling short of the standard God gave us. So verse 17 is love one another with action. So it gives the specific example that John has here of giving money to someone who is in need. And this is a a good example. Money is certainly one of the ways that we can show love to people by sharing with them and giving to them when they have nothing. But let's expand it just a little so we can apply it in more ways. How about just caring for those who are in need? Because, I mean, if we have money needs, some people have those needs, some people don't. You know, does that mean the people who are wealthy don't get love? I think we can kind of buy into the fact that there's more kinds of love to be given, and everyone has some sort of need that they need to receive. And so, there's a few stipulations on how to show love. Because before this paragraph is an example of how not to show love. Let's go back and read in verse 11 what happens when love is forgotten. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we do not love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So we have very quickly a transition from the worst example of love to the best example of love in verse 16. It, it flips so fast that we go, wow, I almost got whiplash with how, how much I had to go from the worst to the best. But we see Cain, who was motivated by all the worst parts of himself. I mean, why did he kill Abel? Because Abel offered a sacrifice better than what he offered. It was jealousy. It was anger. It was hatred. He was thinking about me. He was thinking about self through and through. I did not get the recognition that I deserved. I did not get the honor that I wanted. I did not get. I did not get. I did not get. I mean, that's something that we can all relate to on a certain level. We get upset sometimes when we don't receive. So that's the way that love fails, is when it starts to become about me, it starts to get ugly. It starts to become something that is different. It's about completely reframing how we see our relationships with others. I mean, Cain saw Abel, and he was jealous. He grew angry at his brother. He was the opposite of compassionate. He only wished to put his own interests forward. So how should we love each other? Take a look at verse 17 again. 
by looking at what the other person needs and giving it to them. So we start by saying we should love each other sacrificially. If you have and they don't, you give. You give from yourself so that they might have something. This doesn't mean that some people are exempt from loving others because they're needy people. There's always a need of others that you can meet. Because the tricky part of this is how do you define who is needy? I mean, does anyone in here never need something? I mean, we all always have something that we need. Everyone has some sort of service they need, and everyone has something that they can do for others. Let's start with the example John gives. Are you sharing your money with others? Is that something that you do to show love, to show that you care? If you don't have that, are you serving others to show that you care? If you don't have time or the ability to do that, are you teaching others? If you don't have that, are you encouraging others? If you don't have that, are you praying for others? We can keep going. There are so many ways we can show that we love each other. We just have to be willing to give what we have to people who need. So, all of us have something we can use to show that we love something. So we love sacrificially. Second, we love with compassion. Because I appreciate that this directs our love. This verse doesn't say, find someone who you like, who's easy to love, and give them what they want. And that's what we like to do, right? I want to give the people who I'm closest to all the best things. But this is saying, find someone who needs something and give them what they need. Help them with what they have. This is a compassionate, focused idea. Go find the people who are needy. Go find the people who are lonely. Go find the people who are struggling. Go love them. That's what John is telling us to do here. I mean, when's the last time that you've visited a shut-in? I would define that as a needy person. When, when's the last time that you got to go and help someone who was discouraged? When's the last time you said a prayer for someone specifically by name as a part of our church family? Maybe if they're not even in the family matters. If you had to think of them on your own. These are kinds of ways that we need to be seeking out the needy and finding ways to express love to them because they deserve to be loved. That's what we see from the definition God has given us of his love. More on that in a second. The third thing we see is in verse 17, how does God's love abide in him? That's the reason we want to love those who are needy. That's the reason we want to give of what we have is because we want to invite God to have a greater relationship with us. We want to make sure that we are following what God has designed for us to be. I mean, the command for us to love is not so that we're happier and have better relationships so that we have more peace and harmony together. That's, that's not it. That's not what John says, although that might be a nice byproduct. What, it's, what it is is so that God will dwell in us, so that we have a relationship with God that he can give us. God's desire for us is to receive more of his love, and we do that by sharing love with one another. So love others. Give to others when you see them in need. So as we come to a close of this lesson, we end with verse 16. 1 John 3.16 is just a beautiful verse. It shows us so perfectly the relationship with what God has done for us and what we ought to do for others. Because we need to love one another like Christ. Anytime we consider what love should look like, 
if we're at a loss, how do I love this person? We need to end up right back at the cross. That's the place that we go to find out, is my love good enough? We go to the cross, and we look at Jesus hanging on the cross, and we decide, I need more. I need to do more. The perfect love is there when we see Jesus. I mean, everything mentioned from verse 17 is here perfectly. I mean, is Jesus' love on the cross sacrificial? You bet. Jesus' love showed us that he was willing to give up his life and his honor for us. His sacrificial love is here for us to see on the cross. He gave up everything more than we can possibly imagine for us to be saved. Second, his love is compassionate, just like ours is supposed to be. He fed the 5,000. Matthew tells us that he had compassion on the crowds. And when he hangs on the cross, it doesn't go away. He doesn't suddenly get angry at the people who are there. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We look at the cross and we see the perfect example of the love of Jesus Christ. What a compassionate God he is to us. He loves the unlovable. And third, his love makes him one with God. I mean, if you read through the Gospels at all, you'll see over and over again how much Jesus says, I need to do the will of the Father. I need to be one with the Father. It is constant. It is everywhere. He wants God to dwell in him. And because he had perfect love on the cross, God did dwell in him. And he had that relationship with God that we hope for. Jesus shows us perfect love on the cross. So what that does is it takes us to the most extreme. How much should I love my brother and sister in Christ? How much should I love people? I should be willing to lay down my life for them. I mean, that's sobering. That's a high calling that we have here in front of us. It calls us to love in the most difficult of circumstances, that we should love one another so much that we're willing to die. So when we consider the love of God, when we see Jesus on the cross, any limitations that we have set on love that we think that's too much, need to disappear. That love of God calls us to go beyond what we think is possible. We are ready to respond to Jesus. We can't give anything less than what Jesus has given. We have to do our best to strive for the cross ourselves. So this morning, I hope we can grow in love. We've been focused on growing in Christ this year, and we can't even come close to growing in Christ unless we are also growing in love It is so fundamental to who we are. So let's grow in love so that God can grow and live in us. We can have a great relationship with our Lord. He has blessed us with his love so that we can love others in return. So we're going to sing a song to encourage us in this. Cody's going to lead us in that. Let's stand together as we sing.